Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The hair? Yeah. Uh, Got them done last week. So it's been in for week and a couple days it it was just one of those things where my hair was just wild and uh you know i wanted to see what i could uh could do with it if i couldn't do anything i was gonna chop it off um but drake uh, i don't know if i look like drake drake kiki There is something refreshing about Tua Tonga-Vailoa playing for a coach who encourages him to just relax, have fun, yeah. be who he is, and don't worry about anything. And it's, it's kept him healthy all year, and it's kept the Dolphins in position to come out of their break and make a run for the AFC East Championship. I was thinking about this last night. You know, we've talked so much about the Bills and the Jets and the Patriots. There's a lot of criticism of the Dolphins for not beating a good team. They don't need to. The rest of them are blowing up. They just need to stay the course. Win the games you're supposed to win. Lose the games you're supposed to lose. And you're going to win the division. And, Chris, remember we said from May onward, once the schedule came out, only one team may make the playoffs in the AFC East. Well, as it stands right now, only one team's making the playoffs out of the AFC East. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, mean, I don't think it's a surprising development for us. I, I was one with a healthy Aaron Rodgers that thought the Jets ser- had a serious shot, right? I did. I think before the season, that's that's one that I did pick uh, between that defense and Rodgers. I thought they'd have enough there, but yeah, as it stands right now, yeah, I, I mean, certainly. I mean, Miami, yeah, they lost to Kansas City and Germany, but they've done, as we know, revolutionary things on the offensive side of the ball, and the defense has continued to go on an upward trajectory. And it's Vic Fangio effect, Mike McDaniel effect. Two was playing great. We know the weapons. I like the hairdo. I like, yeah, you know, I think we're seeing the, you know, Tua early in the year. I don't care. I threw for 465. Anybody can say what they want, right? He's had a few moments lately, what he did with Ryan Clark, right? Uh, and Not that I agree with it, but showing a little, you know, a pizzazz there a little bit, a little fight, right? I, I do like that. Showed a little edge that I didn't know he had, and I, I dig the haircut. I do. I, he, it, is, it is a little drake he has a little Drake look to him. I get why somebody brought that up, uh, but yeah, he's got a full head of hair. That, those are that's pretty good right there. You ever had that done to you? You ever had cornrows? Why would you even ask that question? Could you imagine? Could you imagine? First of all, my toupee won't do that, uh, and second of all, I don't think I don't think that would really work. Uh, I did it once. Just I don't so know. You it would know. probably make the gray. It would make the gray shine even more do we have photographic evidence <laughs> no. With no but we have you know we had there's there was witnesses certainly but uh, I'll tell you this I you know I was in college uh and and my hair was long and of course you know a lot of my friends had cornrows and I was like well sh- you know 
crap, let me try this out. Let me see. Let me see how I look, right? Let me break some barriers here. I did it, but, I mean, it it hurts your head to such a degree. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it any longer. Like, my scalp and my forehead, I, I felt like we're just constantly being pulled back, and I had, like, a constant little headache to where I think I had them for about 24 hours and I had to take them out because I couldn't deal with it anymore. 24 (laughs) hours is long enough for someone to have taken a picture. I'm going to have to communicate directly with your wife to see where in the Sims family archive there's a photograph of Chris Sims with corners. I hadn't thought of that, though. Just the raw pressure it puts on the scalp to have it all, you know, tight. Yes. and they, pulled and they pulled held and they pull like and they pull. Right? Thought of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm always amazed with people that that have it or or live their life like that. But uh, nonetheless, Miami Dolphins are cool. They're a lot cooler than you and me. And uh, yeah, let's see how they finish this this stretch run out and if they can beat some quality football teams. Yeah, what's cool is winning, and they need to win more games as the rest of the season unfolds. And they have a game that looked like a check the box easy win not that long ago but the Raiders are five and five this is one of the compelling games of week 11 frankly Raiders at the Dolphins can the Raiders keep it going how will the Dolphins look coming out of their bye can they fire it up again I think we'll probably both pick the Dolphins to win when we do the Mega Picks podcast later today but still it's not going to be one of those 52 to 10 outcomes it's going to be closer because the Raiders have kind of found something post Josh McDaniels before we get to tonight's game First, let me say, the show's PFT Live. We're on Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports NFL, podcast where you get your podcasts. And apologies to everyone who emailed me yesterday about the delay in the show going up on Peacock on an on-demand basis. Apparently, a lot of people watch the show that way because they're not up at 7 a.m. Eastern right. or they're doing other things between sure. 7 to 9. Yeah. I was getting more emails about it as the day went on. There was some sort of technical issue, some sort of a platform issue. But, and what do you do? Like, it gets irritating after a while. Like, what do they expect me to do? But for each individual person who can't get it and they're frustrated and upset and they feel like they need to say something to someone, that becomes an avalanche after a while. And that's the downside of making my email address available to everybody. But apparently it was solved at some point late afternoon because the complaints stopped like around late afternoon, early evening. So it's fine. If you have something to complain about, complain to me. I can deal with it. That's right. We'll give you nothing to complain about. That's right. But, but when it's nothing that I can actually solve, what can I really do other than pass it along to the appropriate people? So squeaky wheel coming in, squeaky wheel going out eventually situation got fixed all right that's good to know i know i i have some friends and family that you know watch it live and then i i have others that are like yeah maybe early, you know later on in the morning they turn it on you know and and see the rerun or, or you know stream it on demand like you're talking about that way uh i didn't get any complaints like that yesterday but but uh i hope it's figured out i mean people got to see these great football thoughts that we got out here and, and into the universe we can't disappoint <laughs> Apparently, it made it to the podcast, but it was the Peacock issue, and that there's other ways to get it, and I get people all the time that want the whole show to be put on YouTube, and look, I, they tell me they're trying to run a business here with Peacock, so they want people to subscribe to Peacock. If you just put it all on YouTube, the whole show on YouTube, it kind of defeats the purpose of people subscribing to Peacock, so hey, it pays our salary. I can't really complain about that. One item of old business, too, before we pivot to tonight's game. Okay. Dan Campbell apparently was approached by Texas A&M about becoming the successor to Jimbo Fisher, and it was shut down quickly. And hopefully in the process of it being shut down quickly, somebody quickly wrote a very large check to Dan Campbell to get him to stay in Detroit because I'd hate to see him give up his leverage that fast for just, hey, you know, we're having a good season and I don't want to rock the boat. There's yeah, a way yeah. to do it that doesn't rock the boat, right. but that also gets you properly paid by your NFL employer. I, I, you know, I would think the writing's on the wall in that department as far as I would think that there's already been conversations, deep conversations between his agent and the, the ownership of the Detroit Lions. Uh, like we talked about, he's like, he is the DNA of Detroit right now. I feel like if, 
if they let Dan Campbell out the building, that they're they would you know they would riot in the streets in Detroit. I mean, it'd be pillaging things. I mean, that's that's how much I feel like that fan base has rallied around him. He's reinvigorated the whole organization, and you know, like we talked a little yesterday, right? I mean, you've you've done the hard part in Detroit. You'd think you'd want to enjoy it as long as they they pay you accordingly. To your point, but also like, does Dan Campbell seem like? I, he's got great people skills, but I don't see see him being the the BSer or the schmoozer of having to talk to parents all the time and deal with that type of crap, right? I think he wants to get up early and lift weights and eat some raw eggs and go watch some ball and drink a lot of coffee and then watch some more ball and talk to the team and you know then watch more ball and talk about the next day's practice and. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to babysit and recruit and do all that type of crap. I just don't see that in him. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but uh, I'm glad to hear he said no to Texas A&M. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... The charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. I guess my point still continues to be when you're talking about a level of financial compensation that just doesn't exist in the NFL, you have to at least consider the possibility. Well, wait, why do you think it exists in the NFL? Hold on. Why don't you think that it exists in the NFL? Like, you don't think anybody's got $72 million guaranteed at coaching right now? I I think there is, Mike. I do. Uh, Wait. Wait, on how long of a deal? Well, I, I, I don't care about how much is guaranteed. I care about how much you're I, making per year. Yeah, right. And I, I think there's a number of twenty five million. Twenty five million should not be the highest paid coach. Twenty five million is a low middle end quarterback. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, no, like you said yesterday. That's, that's twenty five million. Right, right. That's I, my point. Okay, okay. So I, I didn't know the, what you were saying. I don't care how much is guaranteed over however many years. I'm just saying I mean, the good coaches in the NFL are making million. almost double than the Nobody's good coaches in college. That's all I'm talking about. I mean, that, that that's 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 at least how I understand. When you take about McVay, Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, Sean Payton, Belichick, Shanahan, right? That group right there. There's nobody in college football that's in their stratosphere is what they're making right now. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody's getting nobody's getting fired with a seventy-six million dollar buyout. Nobody gets one of these ten-year obscene contracts that provides security for a decade the longest you see is six years and some of those back-end years remember yeah when got not the total million dollar contract that that what that was like 50 million of it the right. most guaranteed it right. was a lot of window dressing it was pizzazz it was sizzle it was big splash so i the point i was going to make we never see and this could be one of the reasons why nfl coaches don't make as much as they should we never see a coach become a free agent we never see a coach say, I'm going to just play out my contract and go to whoever wants to hire me. And I just think they have such a fear that there isn't going to be a seat for them. They don't want to give up the seat they have because there's no 100% guarantee there's going to be another seat out there. Yeah, sure. And if the owners collectively think that someone's trying to upset the apple cart as it relates to how much coaches are getting paid, 
maybe that guy gets the blackball treatment. Maybe that guy doesn't get a head coaching job, no matter how good he is or no matter how good he thinks he is. So I just think there's a lot of factors that go into this. And I know we don't need to have a bake sale for any of them, but I'm a firm believer that the NFL should be the realm of the highest paid coaches. And I think the best coaches in the NFL are worth a hell of a lot more than they're getting. And a lot of those owners have super yachts and they could afford to pay great coaches more than what they make. All right. A couple of great coaches tonight, although one is far more proven than the other. And one has done it for a longer time. John Harbaugh, quietly one of the best in the NFL. He rarely gets consideration for coach of the year, although he did win it in 2019 when the Ravens were the one seed and they had that magical year and Lamar Jackson was the MVP, but it's Harbaugh. It's Zach Taylor tonight in Baltimore. Chris, a great game. This is the payoff. If you've suffered through some not so great Thursday night contest this year, although there haven't been any games like that Colts Broncos debacle from a year ago, where I think Al Michaels was considering storming out during the game. (laughs) There's still been good games. Like last night's last week's bears Panthers game was not a horrible game. It, It was exciting you know, for most, I mean, not exciting, exciting I'm selling it a little bit too much, but it wasn't a debacle. It wasn't a disaster. It wasn't one where you just wanted to turn off the TV and watch something else. Tonight should be great. Tonight is compelling. It's high stakes. It's the Ravens hosting the Bengals in an ultra competitive AFC North that got reshuffled a little bit yesterday with the Sean Watson news that we'll talk about later. But, you know, Chris, this, this is, this is November football. This is a great game. This is must-see TV on Thursday night on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, the AFC North got reshuffled with Deshaun Watson, and the AFC North got reshuffled on, on Sunday with Cincinnati and Baltimore losing. I think that's what makes it even better for tonight. It, it does, but you know, I don't want to say desperation, but there's got to be a little bit of an inkling of desperation with the Cincinnati Bengals here tonight. I mean, the fact that they're sitting here 5-4, five and four, it could be 5-5, five and five, and... You know, you lost head up to the Houston Texans, right? You lose that tiebreaker there. You know, there, there, there's some issues and some things here where, yeah, it's not desperation time. But, man, is this a big football game for the Cincinnati Bengals? And then, of course, Baltimore, who's, you know, trying to reclaim the throne of the AFC North from Cincinnati, trying to get to a, their first Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson, trying to win the number one seed and looked like they were kind of on the trajectory to to maybe do that or seriously challenge the Kansas City Chiefs in that department. They lose a game where they had a nice lead. Yeah, no doubt about it. But now, hey, this is big, not only for the division, for for their, you know, the future as far as winning home field, see where it goes. But, I mean, we know this game is usually physical and brutal as is. You know, you add that little element into it, the fact that they lost just four days ago, uh, I just think it makes it that much more intriguing and that more, you know, desperate for both of these football teams. And that, that's, that's what we want on Thursday Night Football, and that should lead us to a, an awesome physical football game. Yeah, I mean, at first blush, both teams losing on Sunday. is like, well, it takes a little sizzle out of what would have been, what, 8-2 and two versus 6-4. and four. Three. Three. Three, no. you're right. Yeah. Yeah, six and three. Six and three. Yeah. Um, I still hate the, the the buys really screw me up. One team's played ten, one team's played nine. Regardless, both losing adds that that dash of desperation. The Ravens lose. They'll be not in first place all of a sudden in a division that looked like they were gonna run away with pending the outcome of Steelers Browns. Whoever wins that game would take over first place in the division. And the the Bengals lose, and they're in that morass of, of teams trying to hold on and get the seventh seed. Drop to 500 right there with the Bills at 5-5. Five and five. And you think of all the stuff we're saying about, good Lord, what's happened to the Bills at 5-5. Five and five. If the Bengals fall to 5-5 five and five, now, their excuse is Joe Burrow wasn't healthy right. early, but 5-5 right. five and is five, still 5-5. Five and five. The Bengals arguably in a much better position to – pull out enough wins to get to the postseason than the Bills because Burrow's healthy. But all of a sudden, a two-game losing streak five days apart in November, that's not the kind of thing you want to carry into the post-Thanksgiving run to the end of the regular season schedule. Some injuries tonight yeah. that Big injuries. could make a difference for both teams. We've got the screen here, I think, that's going to come up that shows all of the big names. T. Higgins is out with his lingering knee injury. Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard out with an ankle. I was trying to talk slowly to give the 
graphic time to catch up to us. There's Marlon Humphrey, doubtful with a calf injury. That's big for Baltimore. Trying to Ronnie trying Stanley to hurt his knee last Jamar week. Chase. Yeah. And he's out as well. I don't see Jamar Chase on the board. No. Which is good news for the Cincinnati Bengals. Nor you know Trey Hendrickson. On the board, Chris? What's that? That's right. Yeah. There's one other name, too. There's one other name, too. Joe Burrow's not on the board. Yeah. Yeah. And you would wonder, well, why would he be on the board? Well, a little interesting thing happened last night. <laughs> this is kind of the funny. Bengals posting their arrival video to Baltimore. They post an arrival video that was captured by a couple of local stations in Cincinnati. And Burroughs got something on his right hand. And I don't think it's a fashion statement. He's got something on that hand. And I that's there's a still image of it somewhere as well that gives you a better look at it. Because that's a little grainy. And it's not like somebody was saying it was some kind of computer thing, but none of the fingers are. It's it's no, wrapped and then, this around. This is what I see is he's wrist. Yeah, I know. It's a, he holds his arm together, and that's what like do you he see? Tries to lift something with his left arm here as he bends over, almost protecting that right that right hand a little bit. Now he does look like he has maybe like a a laptop or something in that right hand too. But I'm with you. It does look like it's some sort of. You know, maybe wrists, wrists, brace, something like that. I'm not sure, though. Maybe it's not. I don't know what the hell it is. Or unless he was bowling on the plane, because I've seen <laughs> bowling wraps like that. Maybe maybe they have a 747 with a bowling lane in it on the way from Cincinnati to Baltimore. The fact that the Bengals deleted that's the video the, that's the point. is the thing yes. that makes me think there's something fishy about this. Right. Right. Agreed. That, that to me, I, I, you know, I, I think if they don't delete it, they could probably BS their way out of it and just say whatever. I, I don't know. It's something that he's got wrapped around his hand. I, I don't know what to say, but it does look like it's some sort of brace. Whether he jammed his thumb or has something with his wrist, that's what I would assume when you see that type of thing there. Here's another photo of Joe coming off the plane, and you can see something there, again, wrapped around that right that right hand there. So there's obviously something. You know, I know he, he did the finger two weeks ago, right, when he was bleeding in his cuticle and all that. That is not for that, that's for sure. So this is something new and something that happened in the Houston-Texas game where you know, he certainly took a few hits throughout the football game. The fingers aren't part of it. It comes up and over the thumb, and it's just like that piece going around the thumb is what's holding it in place on the wrist. So that's why, because somebody said, oh, it's, kind of, say, it, it, it's some kind of thing to use your tablet, and it's a finger. N- n- the fingers aren't part of it. It just comes over the wrist, and it, and it comes over the thumb, and I think it's holding, held in place on the wrist for something. And again, you delete it, and you get people like us to say, aha. There may be something going on there. And obviously, he'll be asked questions about it after the game. We'll see what he says. We'll see what Zach Taylor says. They got about 24 hours to come up with a pretty good explanation for why he was wearing it and why the video of him arriving in Baltimore that was posted on the Bengals' Twitter account was deleted. So, look, um, yeah, we, we know how he is. He's still going to come out and That's play. That's right. That's I don't right. care if he's banged up. I don't yeah. care if he's got a cast on that wrist. They'll cut it off tonight, and he'll go out and play. Yeah. I mean, he, hey, you know, one, he's uh, he's Joe Burrow. He's tough as hell, like you've talked, like we've talked about. You know, he he wants to play. He understands his important importance to the football team. He understands the importance of this game overall, especially you know after losing Sunday. Definitely. Also, hey, they're you know <clears throat> the way he played down the stretch. Yeah, they they could have won the football game. Tyler Boyd should have caught the ball. Let's not forget though that Joe Burrow threw two pretty bad fourth quarter interceptions that you don't see Joe Burrow do very very often. He's Joe Cool for a reason. So I'm sure that's you know eating away at him to a degree as well here, where he wants to get back on the field and kind of get that stench out of his mouth of of, of Saturday's loss to the or Sunday's loss to the Houston Texans. Uh, we'll see. They were rolling. We know that. And, you know, to lose that game, T. Higgins' injury leading up to the Houston Texans game and him not being able to play, Jamar Chase, you know, with the little back aggravation two weeks ago and then him not practicing last week. I know he still played really well, but it certainly messed up their mojo a little bit, you know, let alone C.J. Stroud and that that offense 
right, made a lot of plays on that Cincinnati defense. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting things, I think, within the matchup, whatever, whatever side you want to start on here, Mike, that we can unpack that, you know, I think are going to go a long way to telling us who wins this football game tonight. Well, let's look at the Bengals' offense without T. Higgins. Yeah. Because Tyler Boyd stepped up last week. Yep. Jamar Chase still had a big day despite the back injury. Trent Irwin's And they scored not 27 points. Yeah, yeah. They just, you know, they, they didn't do enough to ultimately win the game, but it was their defense that let them down, a defense that we have seen flashes of dominance throughout the season. I think of the Monday night game against the Rams when they just shut down and stymied Matthew Stafford and company. But they were shredded by C.J. Stroud this past weekend. And, you know, it just shows you balance is critical. Balance is critical. But let's focus on the the Bengals offense going into Baltimore, where we've seen in recent weeks teams like the Lions and the Seahawks shut down, didn't get it done against the Browns on Sunday. Do you think the Bengals will be able to move the ball effectively against the Baltimore defense? I mean, I do think they'll be able to move on it effectively. Like, I, I don't expect this to be, you know, a game that gets into the high 20s. I think we're talking about low 20s type of football game, 23-20, right? That's at least how I envision it. Uh, division opponent, they kind of know, you know, the bread and butter plays, the meat and potatoes of your offense. But what I always like about Cincinnati's chances, chances against Baltimore is the fact that, hey, Baltimore does all this crazy stuff. We know they got a million defenses. Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator, to me is one of the best in football, right? They're leading the NFL in sacks, Mike. And you can't really name a pass rusher that you're like, ooh, he's scary. They got a game plan to stop him, right? They do it because of the creativity of Mike McDonald on that side of the ball. He creates matchups. He messes up. He messes with pass protections. Burrow and Cincinnati are, are damn good in that department. You don't trick Joe Burrow too often as far as who's blitzing, who's dropping. He knows where to go to get the ball out of his hands. So that's one thing that kind of equals the playing field as far as when you're playing the Baltimore Ravens. Plus, we know, Mike, they're kind of a quick passing team anyways, right? I, I've called them in the past a ball-controlled, short-passing football team. That's kind of when... That's kind of what they do. They dink and dunk you and dink and dunk you. And as you always hear me say, right, you know, you play zone and he picks you apart. He picks you apart and it's like a slow death. And then you go, okay, I can't take this anymore. We got to play some man-to-man. And then he goes, oh, just what I wanted. Now Jamar Chase is man-to-man and we're going to take a shot. Or T. Higgins is man-to-man and we're going to take a shot. So they have a nice formula as far as Joe knowing where to go against pressure, you know, knowing where to get the ball out of his hands. And plus their offense in general is is kind of, hey, it's West Coasty. it's get the ball out of your hands quick, and that kind of plays into their hands a little bit with all the disguises and things that Baltimore does on the back end. It, it almost makes it a moot point uh, to a degree because of how Cincinnati runs their offense. And on Higgins, yeah, he has a hamstring injury, not a knee. Right. It was in practice, right? I apologize right? for yeah. getting it wrong earlier. What an yeah. idiot you and, are. And, how you know, could with you the do hamstring, that? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I have I have no idea how that happened. I apologize. I apologize, and I will seek uh, forgiveness and and uh, redemption for as long as I shall live. But uh, a hamstring, who knows how long it's going to take to fully and completely heal. We've seen Justin Jefferson miss five games and counting with his hamstring injury, and he's just kind of underscoring the value of T. Higgins in that offense, a guy who's due to be a free agent after the season. Interesting decision for the Bengals to have to make. Do they think they can just go draft another T. Higgins to pair with Jamar Chase? They're going to have to pay Jamar Chase after this season. The window opens on his second contract right about the time T. Higgins is marching toward free agency. I'm surprised they haven't gotten anything done with him. They had to get Burrow done, but they got to get Higgins done. They need to keep him around. Even though they still managed to put up 27 points without him, even though Tyler Boyd stepped up, you got to have all three of those guys to get the absolute most out of that offense, especially when – and this kind of has shades of the whole Josh Allen and why aren't the Bills any better. You've seen a simplistic offense from the Bengals at times because when you've got great players, yeah. you don't have to be all that complicated. Right. Just throw it to Chase. Right. Throw it to Higgins. Throw it to Boyd. We'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, 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 it drives me crazy, especially early on in the football season. But unlike Buffalo, it grows. And they get a feel for how teams are playing and they tinker with their offense and there's an element of their offense where the coach gives Joe Burrow a lot of answers to where he could be surgical, 
right? That's where it's different than Josh Allen. Josh Allen, they're just like, heck, that guy's going straight, and that guy's going straight, and the other guy's going straight, and throw a laser down the field, Josh. And if he's not open, run around and then throw a laser for us. So he's not given that where Joe is given answers. And that's why when you talk about prototypical, you know, quarterback play in the pocket, decision makings, all that, he's the best in the business in that department. You know, he, he will just absolutely, you know, be an assassin sitting in the pocket, moving, sliding, feeling pressure. Ooh, this guy moved in the zone. Let me just get it to him real quick. Okay. We got six yards. Now it's second and four. That's where he just will absolutely dissect you, and that's where he can become a problem you know, with the Baltimore Ravens. They like to do all these crazy, intricate zone coverages, and as they're doing it, boom, he gets it out, and it kind of takes away the creativity away from them, let alone, like you just said, you hit Jamar Chase on one of those, which we've seen in the past, he might catch one, and boom, 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 and all of a sudden he's running 60 yards up the sidelines. So that's what's different about Cincinnati. And when they get rolling and start to get a little information on how teams play and their breakdowns, Joe gets them in the right play. They package the plays the right together, uh, the right way together, I should say. And that's where Cincinnati becomes really tough to, to defend. And took them a little while last week to find the right answers against Houston. But as we saw in the second half, Houston couldn't really stop Cincinnati, and they started going up and down the field on them. One big imbalance that you noticed from Sunday, the running game for the Bengals, just not there yeah. at the point where you would like it to be. You want more than 46 yards out of Joe Mixon, and you don't want to see Joe Burrow getting 20 yards rushing. That's not what he should be doing. Mixon should be the one who's banging it between the tackles and softening up the defense and setting up a little play action, yep. setting up some of those throws down the field. That's when they're and at the their Texans, best. Yep. Devin Singletary, AFC Offensive Player of the Week with 150 rushing yards in that game. So running and stopping the run, still important, especially if you're going to go into Baltimore and you're going to try to beat the Ravens. You can't not run the ball and go to Baltimore and beat the Ravens. Yeah, agreed there. If you go to Baltimore and think you're going to drop back and throw the ball every time, you know, then it becomes – you know, it, it just becomes too much on the quarterback. It, it becomes too much on the play caller because of all, like we just talked about, the crazy things Baltimore does. And if they start to get a feel like, oh, this is going to be a drop-back pass game all the time and we don't ever have to call defenses to worry about run fits or anything like that, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a tough way to live in Baltimore on the road. You know, Not to say that Joe Burrow and company can't do it, but I don't think that's the recipe they want, to your point there. And, and, and Cincinnati, like we saw in San Francisco or some of the other games in their winning stretch, when they're at their best, Joe Mixon is running the ball effectively. It doesn't need to be 100 yards, right? But when he starts to get north to 70 and, and that general range, that means he's gotten the ball enough times to where the defense has respected it. You know, He's making a few yards, and then, of course, he's getting, getting the defense into some looks every now and then that are beneficial for Joe Burrow on a first down to throw the football and have matchups he wants there um so yeah that's that'll be a big part of tonight is running the ball will at least scare baltimore from doing so much crazy stuff these two blitz this guy drops back you know these two blitz these two drop back if you run the ball that scares defensive coordinators from calling that sometimes because those guys drop back and then all of a sudden whoa we have a down block there and now there's a huge hole and everything like that and you can be exposed that way to a degree we talked yesterday about Lamar Jackson's struggles on Sunday against the Browns in the fourth quarter, one for five for 11 yards and an interception. And, you know, that Ravens offense needs to show the ability, if they can grab a lead, especially a two-score lead, to drop the hammer. If they get a chance to do that, we saw him do it to the Lions, we saw him do it to the Seahawks at home. You get that opportunity, you've got to deliver the knockout punch. Not going to be as easy yeah. to do it to the Bengals, but they've got to at least try. When you are in the middle of this narrative for the second year. It becomes kind of a self-fulfilling thing because everybody becomes aware of it. And you get to the fourth quarter, and if you're up by seven or you're up by 10 or even if you're up by 14, you start getting a little tight. The other team starts thinking, ah, we got them right where we want them because we know this is where they fall apart. And for them, it would be critical to the rest of the season to end that narrative tonight, have a lead in the fourth quarter, and close it out. Don't let the Bengals back into it. Easier said than done. But one way you do it is running the ball and you have Lamar Jackson deliver when you have the opportunities to deliver. And like I said yesterday, 
one for five in the fourth quarter means they weren't running the ball in the fourth quarter either. No, no. Because it can't just have been they had the ball for five plays and Lamar Jackson threw five passes. He's going to throw more passes. They're going to have more snaps if they can just move the chains in crunch time running the football. Yeah, no, they couldn't move the ball last week, you know, to your point there. You know, the second half, late in the second quarter, the, the game changed and Cleveland locked them down. Really, Cleveland, Cleveland's defense played pretty awesome. Baltimore just made about five plays in the game, and that was it. You know, there was the big run by Mitchell. Uh, there was a big pass to Andrews. There was a big screen pass to Mitchell. There was the slant to OBJ. And then, like, two passes to Zay Flowers. And that was the whole game for Baltimore. It was never really sustained drives. And then, yes, there's plays like this where when they had control of the football game, Lamar throwing a back shoulder pass there. The guy's got a beat. That was an opportunity for a big play. You know, you get the pick six here. He misses uh, Zay Flowers on a, on a go route down the right sideline at one point in the football game. Lamar played really good last week, but I think to what you're saying, you know, there was meat left on the bone there in Baltimore. And with Baltimore, their team is awesome. We know that. I think we both agree. There's only one thing we haven't seen from them yet or that we would like to just check the box and then go, okay, things are complete. Boom, they're good. And that is kind of what you're talking about, whether that's putting a team away in a close football game in the fourth quarter or even coming back in the fourth quarter to win a football game. You know, they're kind of a little bit like, you know, the bully on the playground. You know, they, they beat you up and then they get you on the ground and they just, you know, pulverize you and beat the crap out of you. But – you know, like the bully on the pro, on the playground every now and then, when all of a sudden they get start getting punched back, they have a little bit of a hard time, you know, rallying and going, okay, whoa, I got to weather the storm here and, you know, finish this guy off again. And that's something we saw a little last year, and, and now it's rearing its ugly head again this year a little. And that's the only thing we haven't seen, right? I mean, fourth quarter comeback, fourth quarter team makes it close, and then they put him away. You know, they haven't put, been put to that test, and I think that's maybe the last thing that you know, their offense needs to, to calm the, the fans, their locker room, their players, and give them that, ooh, we are you know, big-time Super Bowl football team type of belief. The critical drive in the fourth quarter for the Ravens last week came with 8-16 to play after the pick six and missed extra point that had the Ravens leading by one. Yeah. And it went like this. Yeah. Two-yard run. Incomplete pass. Oh, connection to Zay Flowers for 11 yards and a first down, but then it all fell apart. Incomplete pass, short. Left guard run by Lamar Jackson for one yard. Delay a game, which they did not need. No. Turned third and nine into third and 14. It right. was Lamar Jackson scramble that got half of the yardage, and then they punted. And that's when Cleveland just systematically took it down the field. Yep. And ultimately kicked the game-winning field goal, burning off the final 4.55 of clock time and never giving the Ravens the ball back. So the defense has to do its job in yep, the fourth that's quarter right as well. Too. But when right. the offense has opportunities. I mean, th think about that. The Browns score on the pick six. And when Dustin Hopkins misses that extra point, that just takes all the air out of the Cleveland balloon. And it's like, okay hey, you know what? The game should be tied. It's not. We're still ahead. We have the ball. Let's go down and get a field goal. Let's chew up as much of this 8-16 as we can. And they just weren't able to do it. And that's what let them down. And that's what ultimately opened the door yeah. for the one-point comeback after the 14-point lead had been cut down yeah. to one. So, that, 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 that to uh, me, not going to be easy tonight. Oh, no, right, right. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, but you're, you're go right. Ahead. I mean, that to me was more the point last. You want the offense, we know, to finish it off. But the number two defense in football had a 14-point lead, right? All right. And I know the offense get us either way, seven points. You just break down the second half against a Cleveland offense that we know has kind of been all over the place. And there was a lot of sustained, like you're talking about, systematical drives on Baltimore. And that's what I would worry about them tonight with Cincinnati. Watson was incredibly patient in the second half. He was very good, efficient. Right. I mean, at one point in the first half, he was like five for 20 and then he ended the game 20 for 34. He went, you know, he ended the game really on a, on a hot streak, but doing the things the right way. They ran the football. 
And, you know, you break down their third quarter. It's a 17-play drive for a touchdown. It's a six-play, 75-yard drive for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. They got the pick six. And then a 12-play, 58-yard drive to kick the game-winning field goal. You'd like to see the defense get off the field in some of those situations. And, yeah, you know, take pressure off the whole team. But th- that didn't happen. And, you know, you know there's certainly as much to blame as the offense and Lamar and what they did there. One of the things I really like about Thursday night, Monday night football, apart from the fact that I'm down in my barn, often with my son, hanging out, watching the game, you get to focus on one game. And on Sundays, it's hard to focus on one game. On Sunday nights, it's hard to focus on the second half of one game because we have videos we do. You do your podcast. We're doing other things. It's just nice to be able to watch everything about a game. And I say that because... It's also nice to evaluate the extent to which the NFL's concussion spotting process is working. There were two moments last Thursday night that caught my attention. There was a play where Tyson Bagent, the Bears quarterback, was tackled and his head kind of drove into the turf and he kind of got up and was walking it off. And we, we know that demeanor of somebody who's a little rattled and trying to walk it off. And it's like, you know what? That guy probably should get evaluated at halftime, and I don't know whether he did or he didn't. It's not something that they share with the world. Then came late in the game, Panthers tight end Hayden Hurst with just about, what, four minutes and change left. There was a pass thrown to him. He was hit, and when he hit the ground, his head strikes the turf. Now watch. Is that fencing posture? It's enough to get my attention. I saw it. Now watch him struggle to get up. Yeah. Watch him. Watch him struggle to get up. Right. Now, who in the hell, who in the hell is getting paid good money to see this and supposedly press the red button to protect this player from himself and get him out? What's that? What's that? I mean, Chris, I was infuriated this happened. And I didn't say anything about it because what I said was, you know what we're going to do? We're, we're going to wait and see if Hayden Hurst has a concussion. I'm going to put a pin in this until Wednesday, and we see whether or not this guy has a concussion. And when I saw the injury report last night, Hayden Hurst did not practice concussion. I mean, it's inexcusable. National Football League. It's all talk. It's all PR. It's all please don't sue us spin unless you can activate this process 100 out of 100 times. You can't bat 500. You can't bat 750. You can't bat 990. You got to get this every time. And when it's something like this, play that again. When it's something like this, and you've got like seven different people who are watching, and they always puff out their chest and boast about how state-of-the-art this process is, who the hell's head is up their ass? And it's multiple people with their head up their ass to not see this. And come on, 63 don't you recognize me? Don't we hear all the time, all oh, the teammates step up in these situations and they protect their guys. The guy's clearly in distress and nobody notices. Well, I, 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 I listen, Mike, I, I totally hear you. Unbelievable. Yeah, the spotters, all that. There, there's, I think, a few things every week where we think it's a little questionable, whether it's the timing of the game, the importance of the player, you know, all that seems to affect it a little bit. You know, I will say, too, at times, hey, I think the players – you know, don't help themselves out. You know, that, that is a weird one, right? I think if you looked at it and you weren't – look- But he's but, but he's concussed. Uh, well, he's, he's wired to keep playing. You know how that goes. I, he well, doesn't want to come out of the game. I, I know, and that's where it's tough, and it's also tough. I'm just saying on the spotter on that one, and even for the teammates because I'm with you. You see kind of that – is it that, you know, what the hell's that pose call with the arm, you know, freezes a little bit? Fencing. It Fencing looks, posture. It looks a little like that when he's on the ground. So that's what makes my eyes open up. You know, but at the same time, where I'll defend the NFL and, and maybe his teammates is, you know, he got hit in the ribs, right? And it didn't look like the most violent hit to the ground. And that's where I think if you were there on the field, you might be going, oh, 
you know, damn, that was a big shot to his ribs. And you know, right away, you'd be like, oh, the wind knocked out of him. Did he break a rib? Is there something like that? And also, what I wonder, too, to your point and what we always say and what I would do, too, did Hayden Hurst say his head hurt? Or did he go over there and go, my ribs, I let the wind knocked out of me? Something like that. So that's where it is tough on them. But, yes, there does seem to be a few too many plays. Devontae Parker early in the year. There's some other ones that aren't coming to my mind right now where you go, what? How did we miss that? The guy can't walk straight and he's still in the football game, a.k.a. Tua last year before he got into the fencing right. pose in Cincinnati. So that where I, I don't understand that totally, yes. And, and, Chris, as to your point, the NFL will say, we don't activate our spotting protocol based upon the hit. We study the aftermath of the hit. That's what gets us to check someone out. And we're not saying slap the concussion scarlet letter on them. We're saying check them out. Check them out and see if they're okay. There was more than enough in the reaction by Hayden Hurst, more than enough data points for the naked eye watching it happen to say somebody should check this guy out. From the half second or so that looked like the fencing posture to struggling to get up, a teammate pulling him by the shoulder pad flap to get him up. That's enough to at least say, check this guy out on the sideline. Let's make sure he's okay. Whether it's his ribs, whether it's his head, whether it's anything, there's enough there that we should check this guy out. And the reason I'm adamant about it is I've questioned the NFL when it comes to somebody taking a big hit to the head. Well, if he springs right up and everything's fine, then everything's fine. We focus on the aftermath. Well, when the aftermath looks like that, you can't say, well, we focus on the hit. We don't focus on the aftermath. Then they're moving the goalpost just to justify whatever they did. So that's why I'm extra upset about this. If they're going to say they're protecting the players, they have to protect the players 100 out of 100 times. And I think back to the Case Keenum moment in Baltimore when he was playing for the Rams. I think it was 2015. He was in that fencing posture and nobody noticed. John Madden at the time was livid. John Madden wanted to fire everybody who had any role in that mess. You have that many people. And I think that's what it comes down to. They have too many people. It gets diluted. And there's always somebody thinking somebody else is going to be the one to do it. Especially when you're in that mode where the Panthers are trying to drive down the field and and tie or win the game. Yeah. Not that Hayden Hurst is the quarterback or an integral part of the offense. He's a, he's a starting tight end. But, but I think even then, nobody wants to be the one that pulls the guy out of the game for multiple plays to get him checked out when his team is trying to drive yeah. the ball down the field Agreed. and maybe get a victory or force overtime. But that's not, that's not how it should be. That shouldn't matter if they truly care about the health and safety of the player. No, that, you know, that was to my point. You're right. I think there's you know, the, the, the player, the moment in the game, how it will affect it. All those things are, seem to be swaying this decision a little bit or whether we evaluate and, you know, that it's, it's human nature to a degree, but yeah, to your point, you know, people aren't doing their job. What I would like to know is what Hayden Hurst told them, right? That's where I'm not going to judge too harshly because, again, as an ex-football player, and we're all looking for it, it didn't look that violent to the head, even the way his head hit the ground. Now, I know that, you know, less less contact is people have had concussions before, but I don't think it was the kind of hit where you go, ooh, that way. And I remember watching Thursday night going – you know, seeing him hit the ground doing that. And then when he bent over and was acting like this right here and somebody, a trainer is talking to him right now, I just figured, oh, well, he got crushed I don't know who in the that, ribs. You can't tell who that is. I'm, yeah, that's, I'm guessing it's a trainer. I saw one shot. to evaluate someone. I'm not giving him an out here because Pete said, oh, who's that behind? I, that's not how you evaluate someone. Hey, are you okay? No, that's are you a, okay? No, yeah, I'm I fine. Think it's get a the hell out of here. I think it's a trainer. I don't even think well, that's a doctor or anything but, there. Yeah. You got to get you got to get that guy eye to eye. You got to see what's going on in his brain. You got to maybe take him into the blue tent, and that's the problem. You're taken off the field during crunch time. He was back on the field fairly quickly. So, they clearly knew something was up. I mean, it's obvious to anyone with common sense and functioning eyes something was up. My point is, NFL, don't give me all this PR bullcrap about how you protect these players because one failure is all it takes. And, Chris, all it takes is one time that somebody has a concussion that is missed and he's back in the game and he gets the second concussion and it starts that cascade effect that we see with high school players because there's a handful that die every year because they're back in the game with one concussion, they get another concussion, and then the next thing you know, 
they're in serious trouble or dead. That's what the NFL is supposedly trying to avoid, and that's why it should be red alert. And there's two instances on that play where he could have been concussed. The quick change of direction when the head snaps. Yeah, sure. And when the head hits the ground. Right. Because that whole thing, you know, there's no helmet that protects you against moving quickly and then stopping and your brain inside your skull bounces off of that bone. Yeah. The whiplash doesn't matter effect. what helmet you're wearing. Yeah. No. And yeah. that happens. Right. So, right. There's a, anyway. you, you said it right. The hit, all that, that could all do it. I just. Yeah. The NFL could be better. We either care too. about health and safety or we don't. We either care or we don't. It's either PR or it's real. And you would like to think after last Thursday night, like if they really cared, they, 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 it wouldn't be something that would be hush-hush. They would come out and, and say, hey, there was an incident in last Thursday night's game where Hayden Hurst suffered a concussion and our protocol did not operate properly, and here's what we're doing to change it going forward. They, they don't want us talking about it. They're going to be upset with me. I'm, I guarantee I'm going to hear from somebody today who's pissed off that we spent 10 minutes talking about this. I don't care because you either care about health and safety or you don't, and somebody's got to push them to get 100 out of 100 right, not 75, not 85, not 55, 100. All right, let's do it. Wait, wait, hey, wait. Hey, I didn't, like, you, you, wait, hold on, hold on. You just, I didn't even, we didn't, I didn't, like, you were so eager to talk about us. We didn't even talk about the Bengals' defense. I mean, that, that's what you just jumped into there. I was like, I thought we were still breaking down the great Thursday night game. He told me to move game. on to it. That, he told me, damn. He told me to move on I mean, to it. We, I listen to Pete, except when I don't want to. Damn, don't we'll listen to Pete. talk about that game enough. Okay, we spent fine. 40 minutes on that game. All right. We spent we 40 minutes on that game. All right. It was right. like 25. We said, we said the defense stunk against – The, the defense is a big issue. They're Bengals 30th in football, stunk. and they're playing the Ravens tonight. And that's, the, you know, that's where I just wanted to dive into it. But it's okay. We're all good. All we, right. We talked enough. All right. Go ahead. Dive. Dive in. Go no, ahead. We can no, do whatever just, we want. It, 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 it's, 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 it's something to watch for. I don't know. The luster has been taken away here now. It's like I can't go back and dive into this passionately now. You know, they Let's watch out for but their defense. But you just said. Yeah. You well, just I just wanted to throw it out there. You know, so you I, we missed an important part of the football defense. game. We missed. We didn't and talk I'm saying, about talk the, about the defense. You're like we oh, talking about a passed. damn concussion that happened a week ago. Uh, just damn. I mean, crap. That's why. That's why I'm, I wanted right. to bring be it part, up. Be part. Of, be part. Of, be part. Be, be one of. Be one of those meatheads. Be one of those. I am one of those meatheads. I don't care. The guy said he wanted to play ball. Let's play ball. Let's go. All right. All right. That's helpful. What do the Browns do moving forward without Deshaun Watson? We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean. Every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.